0: Hello and welcome back to Blue Ocean Security Asia podcast. My name is Ron Efron and I am here this week with my colleague Leo Aloha, who is in quarantine in Singapore, and Avi Hai, who is still in Israel. This week, we decided to do a deeper dive into how COVID has impacted the security industry and projects, and it's been a crazy year for all of us, and we're going to Q4 with Many months now of uh, experience dealing with this, we want to see what has the impact been exactly in terms of responsibilities for the security team, security directors, new trends and products that we're seeing in the market, and hopefully uh, this might be of interest to you. So, Leo, Avihai, how are both of you doing? I'm
1: doing, doing very good.
0: And Avichai, how is Israel still good for you?
2: Israel is good, uh, good for me. Uh, things are a little hectic.
0: Well, you're going, Israel's going back into lockdown again. And here in China, we're continuing to see more and more opening, which is uh, generally good. Singapore seems also to be opening slowly. So there's different trends around the world. And as we speak, we just heard that President Trump has uh, tested positive as well. So that's going to be interesting. So I decided to get both of you on today so that we can all share our perspectives on how COVID has impacted our business. And we hope to talk a little bit about how COVID has impacted project management and project implementation a little bit about responsibilities for the security managers, security teams, new products that we're seeing in the market as a possibly as a consequence are due to these new needs as well. So why don't we just first start with how COVID has been impacting project implementations. Uh, Now, just from our perspective and knowing in the market that there are still projects happening across the region. Uh, Customers are asking for uh, tenders or quotations. Um, Projects are actually being implemented. It's spotty in different locations. So obviously what's happening in Singapore and India and China are going to be a little bit different. But maybe we can talk about that first. What kind of problems are we seeing? What's being done in order to try to overcome some of these problems?
1: I can start from China. I think uh, China started uh, the, the pandemic uh, first. They, they start uh, to get through that. So they also quickly uh, get out after, um, I think after Q, end of Q1, China is, you can start to see things are getting back to normal. However, the full Q1, you see nothing move. But then as a cost of that, then from Q2, Q3, uh, we, we have a lot of requests to deliver and deliver fast and actually um, people will have want to have the same thing done throughout the year regardless they were just trying to say okay use q2 to compensate the time lost in q1 i think uh, what we see in china is actually because uh, traveling are pretty much back to normal so people can still travel Uh, logistics are back into uh, order. You may have to coordinate more uh, when you send item from one location to another, uh, but things can still be done.
0: Okay. Have you seen any impact on the supply of products in China? Not really.
1: Not really. I I think, uh, again, Q1 is a different story, but start from Q2, Q3, uh, everything is back to functioning. Uh, Even the the importing process are back to normal. So things are um, ongoing.
0: That's interesting. I, I often wonder if China will be like a model for other countries. As other countries start to get the pandemic under control, will they have a similar type of recovery like we've seen in China? Uh, I'm still wondering how that's going to roll out. So what about oh, other locations? How, how are the projects happening in Singapore or, or in India? I you know we have one big project happening in, in Manila as well right
1: right so so for those two locations those regions are traveling are one of the bigger challenge uh, because like uh, again like in southeast asia you cannot travel freely still right. uh, or you, you have to be to doing things like me now staying in uh, you know, a residence for seven seven days sometimes two weeks so it becomes almost impossible for for the pm to really do what they did in the past so for those areas, I think what we work out is actually we have, first, we have very strong tools to manage the project remotely. And uh, after you cannot physically being there, you still have ways to, to get the local information, to work with your local partner uh, remotely. So tools itself is a good practice. Uh, I will also say um, to always have a backup plan like uh, in Singapore, we introduced a small system, like we always put in two PMs into a job. No matter big or small, we have two PMs. So they can back up each other. And again, like uh, we also have a real case that some of the service partners, they have one engineer, have a medical situation, then he cannot be site anymore. Then immediately we put in a- another engineer. So those uh, in the past was not that important, but at this this moment, uh, we pretty much put put that as a must to do.
0: Yeah, so obviously planning and having backup plans and coordination and documentation is just even more important than it ever was in the past.
1: Right. And also tools make things happen, right? Like uh, We are not alone. Uh, I think all the suppliers, even the client, they are facing the same challenge. So if you are not prepared, if everything you have is on your local hard disk, it's really hard. But if you do have a portal to bring information from one location to another, you can share easily with your client. You can really see the actual pictures of your site, even without being there. We do that every day. It almost, almost it somehow compensate uh, the loss you, you have.
0: You know, in some ways, we're lucky that in this time and age, we have the tools to do that. If this happened you know, 20 years ago, we wouldn't have the tools to continue implementing projects the way we actually are today. That's interesting, and hopefully things will continue to get more open. I expect that you know, we'll, there'll be more opening, but also more testing, and it won't be as easy just to bring workers on a site to do work. They'll probably have to be tested and, and vetted more carefully. And so we'll continue to see more tools around this. In terms of products, you know, what what type of new products are we seeing on the market as, you know, recently and and as a consequence of of these challenges around COVID?
2: Uh, I would try and uh, divide this answer into two different aspects. The first aspect is talking about the security products themselves. Meaning, if we had under the security responsibility uh, to take care of A, B and C inside that facility, We just added another part of responsibility that's called preventing uh, COVID to spread out in our entire facility if there's one person that came in with with the COVID into our facility. So we could see that maybe around January, uh, many uh, products, uh, many vendors have been dealing with really what could they bring into the systems? What could they update in a fast iteration of development? to really uh, solve some of these problems or or, uh, help a little bit with the the risk management. So some things that we could see now these days that became already part of all these uh, video analytics or video systems, and uh, some of the more innovative access control systems, you could see uh, different types of solutions that help us uh, get that clarity. Um, If we're looking at uh, around uh, the basics of before you even enter a facility, you need to fill in the health declarations. You need to really uh, sign some kind of agreement. So how do you how do you do that? In many countries now, it's, it's mandatory before you enter any type of facility. So how do you provide that service to, to your client that needs to give it basically to all the people that need to enter the facility? Um, so if we take visitor management systems, for example, and implement it on top of it, or if we take our access control applications that we have for uh, the end users on their smartphones, we could add that questionnaire as well on, on their smartphone directly. So really, uh, the, the first uh, initial communication with, with the end users is, uh, is very important. Now, once they arrive to the facility, uh, there's a few uh, checks that we need to make sure if, it's, uh, if they have a fever, if they're wearing a mask. Uh, If they're keeping the social distance, if they're really, uh, uh, where are they going in the facility? Because if, let's say, uh, for example, we found out that one person had COVID, we really need to start doing uh, some investigation and understand uh, where that person interacted and with who. So uh, to be able to do that using the security systems, uh, if it's using features such as heat map, if it's uh, using uh, video analytics that are able to identify that if you took off the mask or not, if we're able to uh, create access control without using your hands, meaning if we know that uh, there's uh, the whole contagious aspect. Uh, So we want it to be touchless. Uh, so, So using mobile credentials is becoming more and more important these days. So that's one part of the, of the security responsibility, and that's around the security systems that we have. Uh, on the other hand, we have uh, the, the tools that we use to do uh, customer service and maintenance on site, and the ability to uh, really be transparent regarding projects that we're executing at the moment. So I could say that Blue Ocean on that point is really looked at that as a part of our main strategy. And uh, we put our vision in line with a lot of Microsoft uh, 365 concepts and uh, the way they are looking about communication and and transferring data between uh, organizations, basically. So I could say that for us, it's very important Uh, to be able to present in a dynamic way to our clients in a very convenient uh, way as well, exactly what's going on on their site to really show if there's any risks, any red flags that we need to raise. And when we talk about customer service and maintenance, it's really about uh, how to do minimum physical arrivals into the site. A lot of remote control. Uh, We're working a lot now on creating automations to solve problems. Uh, adding AI capabilities to our customer service. We really see that 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 could give us opportunity to be more efficient on the solutions. So I would say that's the overall of what we are uh, seeing in the security industry specifically and what we could do to help uh, our clients manage this COVID risk. Okay,
0: (laughs) there was a lot there. Let's let's try to break this down a little bit. Obviously, some of the main obvious things that we're seeing on the market are, is anything related to temperature checking? Some and we're seeing more requests for touchless, what's, what's being called as touchless access control. Uh, those are the obvious ones, and there's some that are a little bit less obvious. And I wonder if there's differences between countries. You know, for example, here in China, every office building is controlled, you need to have a special pass as a visitor. And every office building now has turnstiles with facial recognition. It's all related, connected to with the visitor management and all that. So you don't have to touch anything. You literally just have to stand in front of the, the, uh, the turnstile and it will open. But are we seeing the same thing in other countries? Is this going to be a trend in all office buildings?
1: I think in other countries, what I saw are the compliance is really about crowd management, uh, the social distancing concept. So a lot of practice are not based on access control but really um, uh, using camera, using AI to define a you know, certain space, how many people maximum you can handle or are people really getting too close to each other. Mm-hmm. So in other countries, I know in Singapore, for example, some uh, manufacturers are actually introduced those features and uh, services, functions into the market and uh, some of the shops, uh, if they want to do their business they need to compliance they need to they need to use those functions and features so so those those, those are different uh, from china
0: okay. well it'll be interesting i'm pretty sure that we'll see more in the compliance side of things either because governments are asking for compliance or companies are going to want to do that so we will probably see more functions around visitor management that include like health declaration elements like what avijah just mentioned And I expect that we're going to see acceleration in development of sort of facial recognition around access control and credentials, like using your phone, where you can just get close to a device and it opens up without actually having to swipe card. So we'll probably see acceleration around uh, technologies like that, would would, would you guys agree?
1: Yeah, I I think um, how I see that is people will start to really leverage more on the smartphone Use whatever technology right. to replace uh, the plastic card. And uh, that's one last thing to carry. Also, there's one last uh, uh, opportunity or need to really get too close to the reader or warframe. Mm. So smartphone, uh, reading, reading those without you, really swipe a card will be a popular face. Um, I don't know, again, it, it applies to different countries. Uh, Privacy uh, as a bigger factor here. uh, A lot of people are having concerning. Like, okay, how if you control? Do you think that's really?
0: Sorry, do you think that's really going to be the case? I mean, before COVID, for example, in the United States, um, one of the bigger airlines introduced facial recognition for its um, boarding process. It's obviously going to happen. There might be some European countries that might have some issues around that, and that's how we have GDPR to to sort of deal with that, the privacy issues. But facial recognition mm-hmm. is here. I mean, it's even used, we didn't talk about this yet, but go to the level of international schools in Asia. It's, it's going to be here to stay. Would you, would you not agree with that?
1: Well, uh, again, there are different voices around that. It's mm. in practice already, but uh, usually people are giving more space to that. If this is the government-run facility, for example, you know, the speed train in China, are using the face to open up the, the gate, other than ID card or anything. So people are more get used to that. Mm-hmm. But in the same time, um, if this is a private, or if this is your... In recently, there's a news on the paper, uh, people are not feeling right when they, after they spend the, the National Day vacation, they come back, they find, okay, the property management company of their residence compound choose to add in a face reader to the gate and uh, people start worrying again back to your example of gdpr who is using those data how they control that and where they, that was well, saved
0: that would definitely be an interesting trend to follow and see how this develops I, I, I will say that you know as we've i personally had some customers asking for facial recognition technology in, in different countries in asia And it was interesting to see that the majority of the development and sort of new products is actually in China, not necessarily in other countries. (laughs) But when we approached these manufacturers in China, their initial response was that they're not selling it outside of China, it's only domestic. And I'm not sure why that is, if it's just a a phase in the supply or if there's other compliance reasons. I'm assuming it's simply that they haven't thought about export yet, uh, and that will come. Due to the fact that there's this demand in China, we'll probably see most of these players for the facial recognition hardware like what what you actually the readers that will actually be attached to turnstiles or to doors for example will be coming from china and that may have other political (laughs) aspects to that as well uh that we'll have to negotiate in the future but so that that but that is a trend they're definitely seeing
2: i want to add on the facial recognition point um Few things. One is that there are also alter- alternatives. Meaning, facial recognition. It's not only about the user experience when he enters a facility, but it's also a way for the security systems to really uh, be clear that that person is him and only him. It's not, it's not something they just right. Not somebody just help. holding
0: somebody's card.
2: Right. And, uh, and there are other ways uh, to really create that kind of, uh, let's say, understanding in the system to say, okay, it could be also biometric using your finger, or it could be your mobile device plus something else, plus voice recognition. Uh, there could be a few different uh, mechanisms that could replace the face recognition. Now, when we talk about the development of facial recognition, is that any system, I would say any system, maybe some don't do it, but, but I would say the majority of the facial recognition type of solutions, they would have to gather in one way or another your face stats in a, in a very detailed way. So And use that, use that uh, to build up and to uh, also authenticate if it's really you, but also to build up their system on the back and develop it.
0: But just just so our our listeners are clear here, if I understand you correctly, your point is that you don't necessarily need to keep a picture, per se, as as we as humans understand it, but it's more about keeping in the system certain data points about your face in order to analyze.
2: So for facial recognition to be very accurate, a picture could be one way, but uh, another way would be each time basically that it recognizes you it identifies another, like uh, let's say small points on your pixels of, of that picture. And that, that what that's what makes it unique for yourself. So which is a type so of the, uh, machine other, learning. Exactly.
0: Okay. That's, that, that, that's, that's interesting developments. And um, I'm assuming we're going to see more uh, turnstiles and stuff like this as well. Have, have any of you been surprised about any certain product development that you didn't, that you didn't think would come? Are that, say you're surprised about something new product that you've recognized in the market?
2: I wouldn't say new product more than um, just seeing how uh, the vendors respond pretty quickly to, to the situation. I would say that, that we could see that companies that have already moved in some ways or another to the cloud, get these advantages immediately. Meaning if let's say there's some function that we've created in the system, to be able to implement it on a on-premise classic solution, it will require downtime to go to the site. It will require a lot of coordination. Uh, and when we talk about cloud solutions, the development finish their development, they execute and that's it. No downtime. We don't even feel it. We get that as a feature, as a service. So I would say that you could see the advantage of the cloud coming in in these kinds of situations.
0: So you're basically saying that what's what you observed is an acceleration of the whole uh, cloud aspect of, of the infrastructure. And those vendors that are, have, are using the cloud or have products in the cloud, they'll be uh, advancing faster. Do I understand yeah. you correctly? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Leo, anything you wanted to add to that?
1: I, I feel the whole pandemic give security more exposure to the society. Um, people turn to be uh, more acceptable. To security management because of again for compliance issues for safety reasons people really start to use the security equipment security devices more often now right so the big picture is um it's not we don't know it's good or bad but people are more used to the security management
0: that's interesting So whereas in the past people would view security as an annoyance as like an inconvenience and there's mm-hmm. always this notion that if you increase security it increases inconvenience and if you make things more convenient for your workers the security goes down whereas now you can actually increase security technology allows it to be a little more convenient but it's a lot, it's less of an annoyance to people people wow. understand it more okay that's good so just on that point there's there's two areas to develop here I think one is the whole um, movement to the cloud. What have we seen? So if we focus on the cloud for a second here, have we seen anything new here that's been a result of the pandemic? Obviously there's there's new cyber risks involved here as people are working from home and that's a whole, that could be a whole topic in itself. There's um, the need to be able to work on a cloud because there's more remote working. What what else are we seeing around the whole cloud, development of the cloud? and And we here in Blue Ocean and in this podcast, we believe that the future of security is going to be on the cloud. And we're looking forward to seeing more involvement and more advance in this technology. So how has this COVID brought to more acceleration around this technology?
1: I think what I saw is the trend of a hybrid solution at this moment. The traditional solutions, security solutions are still functioning. But in the same time, because of the compliance, because of special features needed to a certain position or a certain uh, scenario, people are adding the cloud-based camera or cloud-based access control to satisfy that. So at this moment, um, we start to see more merging of these two uh, uh, solutions. But uh, clearly, there's a trend. It will be, okay, what actually will be more flexible? More will be more, it will be safer? we see definitely the cloud-based solutions will take more and more weight on the okay. whole game.
0: Okay. And Avikai, what I know you've been following the cloud uh, development a lot recently. What is your take?
2: So I think that it really pushed the security industry to move towards this cloud concepts. If, if a lot of our, our clients' feedback, uh, let's say end of 2019, was a little bit more uh, precautious around uh, if to move to the cloud or not, Uh, Now we could see, as Leo said, a type of a hybrid solution where uh, really uh, we are also able to identify how we could take uh, one component and connect it to the cloud and give that right service in that right physical area of the facility. So there are ways to be flexible with the cloud and we're seeing that also more from the vendor side. And we also could see that um, there's more conversations around this, you know, this is something that that wasn't out there that much and and now everybody's talking about it. So, so that definitely means that uh, 2021 will be uh, a year that we will see a faster paced movement towards the cloud solutions.
0: And this is not just because of the technology, but what you're saying is it's also just because of the general awareness of the public and of the people that are using it. Correct. Okay. That's good stuff. The final point I want to hear your opinions on and I want to bring up here is how has this pandemic impacted the the security management team or security manage, management as a whole or security directors in terms of their position in corporations, their scope of responsibilities, their challenges. I know there's a lot here and it may be industry specific, but let's dive into that for a moment because from what I can see is that Number one, like Chai mentioned, there's definitely a lot more awareness. And like you mentioned, uh, Leo, that people have more understanding about security and they're going to be helping in various ways about security. But it seems to me that the role of the security director and security manager is, has increased, has sort of, it's got bigger. There's, it's more of a, um, a heavier weight, if you may, in an organization. They have probably a bigger say at the table compared to the past. Everything from dealing with remote uh, issues and safety to preparing for the next pandemic or preparing a new recovery plans, for example. So have you seen anything in this in this area? Definitely, yes.
1: Uh, it's more about risk management, uh, less about asset control or asset protection. Mm before the security team or security function are heavily um, facility or asset um, related. But from after this pandemic, you can see it really pushed them to be more people related or business uh, related. A lot of security managers were consulted not only about uh, safety or security issues, it's also about business risks. Uh, when you can really get people to go back to work uh, place, uh, they are part of the emergency management team. Uh, very senior folks are sitting in that uh, uh, team. So they, are, they took one seat uh, of that team as well. So, so that's clearly what is happening now. Uh, we have cases that uh, security managers also trying to understand the regulation and uh, understand uh, actually heavily involved to get their senior expats their senior people to move from one country to another Mm. and because that's important for their business so people are definitely spending more time again back to the people uh, safety management also business risk management
0: so that really ties into this it seems to be more companies are having a a renewed focus on future disaster recovery plans whereas we know in the past just from our experience that not every company had one, or if they had one, they didn't always keep it up to date. But it seems now that companies are rethinking about their disaster recovery plans in in light of the pandemic and future potential pandemics. And also, I think a lot of people were a bit surprised about their impact on their supply chains. So there's gonna be some new uh, review around that and how that impacts risk management. So as you can see, risk management is not just about access control or video. It's about much more than that.
1: I can see people are also taking a harder look on where they control everything. Mm. Before they have one building, they have one floor, they have one room with which everything come back called the uh, SOC, Red Security Operations Center. And now they, they are taking a seriously look about, okay, where I should do that? Do I need to put everything in one location? Mm. What if I cannot get back to this facility anymore? Right. Want to be what
0: happen How's that going to work, Leo? I mean we, I know we have one customer that I'm not going to mention a name here and everything, but we have a customer where we are managing their SOC. So far, we are able to get special permission from the government during a lockdown to actually go and, and and sort of operate the SOC. But what if that was not possible so whereas in the past companies were reluctant to do any type of SOC work uh, remotely, let's say from home for example. but the right. reality of the situation might force companies to figure that out. Am I wrong to assume that? Well, I I
1: think uh, two things. One is you always have a backup SOC. Somehow virtual or physical, you cannot rely on one only. That's clear. The second part of the solution will be you need to cut, you need to break down the function of a SOC. Some of the functions you may have to rely on the local response say some of the fire alarms. Well, it, it sent to that building. Yes. That will stay there. However, some other functions, like you what you mentioned, the emergency response, the employee traveling support, the Hallan, uh, if I, anything happened, what do you call, those functions can definitely be done remotely.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm just th- that's all interesting. And I always I, I think that it's actually good that companies are forced to figure out how to work remotely and not just be reliant on physical SOC. I mean, yes, you're right. There could be a backup SOC because in the past there was a question, well, what happens if, the, if there's a fire, right? There's some backup. Right. Right? But that backup may also, in, the current in, in but in pandemic times, that backup location may also be a lockdown. So the point right. is everywhere, as much as is technically possible, people will have to find a way to do their work from home in, in some fashion, in one way or the other. And I, I believe that's going to include security functions. Right. Now, ha- exactly. how is that going to work? I don't know yet, but that seems to be you know, one of these challenges that's going to happen.
1: Right. Well, a couple of things, right? Like, first of all, you cannot re- uh, store all your data in one physical location. Like I just mentioned. Yeah, but the cloud's, uh, cloud's going to solve that's, that, though. The cloud, right.
0: th- that's, that's already going to be solved. Well, this
1: mentality-wise, uh, again, what needs to stay? What can be done remotely? people need to take a harder look yes, on that. I think it's also a healthy practice for all the organizations to break down their SOC responsibilities and to, to again, to decide what, fit to, what fits to them, uh, what should stay, what can be done in a different way. I think overall, uh, the pandemic is a lesson learned for a lot of security management people. As a result, uh, again, the cloud practice will be more popular and uh, a further breakdown on SOC responsibility will happen. Mm,
0: that's interesting. What's going on for the school security directors and security teams? They have sort of a different set of challenges. I know here in China, for example, there's definitely a need for the security managers and security directors to have to work closer with local governments and coordinate with local authorities in terms of um, how to manage the pandemic compliance. and inspections, right? right? So there's a lot, a lot more of that happening. And, and that, I guess to some degree, if you're hiring a security director for your school, one of the skill sets needs to be able to do, do that now. Right? You can't just think about, you no, know, it can't just be an ex-police person, for example. They need to be more well-rounded and, and with many skills.
1: Yes, we, have, uh, we do have real cases, like the security director are working closely with their uh, public relationship team, uh, also the facility team to make sure uh, everything is in order like there's uh, regulations around if you want to open up, uh, say, and Garden, this, these are the things you need to do. When you want to open up uh, sixth grade up, these are things need to happen. So uh, security team, security directors, are heavily involved to make sure those uh, regulations are compliant. Right. Uh, as a result, uh, again, they contribute uh, really into a, a bigger portion into the overall business this is really to work uh, the school operations
0: right I guess on the school side we're also seeing some integration with the security systems I know for in my pers- personally for me it, my kids the health registration form that I need to do every day is tied into their mm-hmm. bus management system right. and yeah. it's all it's all sort of uh, connected so they can manage that better. So we're seeing those kind of trends as well. And that will likely happen in other countries too, uh, as soon as things get back, a little bit back to normal. Okay, so that's interesting. And um, we expect to continue to monitor the trends and how uh, the the COVID and pandemic and these types of uh, issues will have an impact on security. I will say, and I want to encourage uh, my fellow security professionals, doesn't matter if you're a security director, responsible for the whole region, or responsible for a city or a facility. This is a time to step up. This is a time to learn new skills, get closer to that, you know, to that boardroom table, work with your other colleagues and managers, be part of the solution and provide the value. This is a time for security really to step up and, and shine and provide a lot of value, not just on systems, which is of course what what we specialize in, but on, uh, risk management um, disaster recovery planning and just working with your fellow managers and and doing you can to help your company and the people in your company and your society as a whole with that folks uh leo avichai i I wish you well and uh, please stay safe and wherever you are